Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire and all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. Today we are welcoming Ty Dayberry. Ty is what I would like to call the top level telemark skier, but also he's a firefighter on top of it. He's been out fighting the Caldor fires this summer and he'll then pull a double backy off a fucking monster cliff in the back country up in Tahoe. So, and, and just to top that all off, he's a brand new dad. How many weeks in are you? Two, three? Uh, just, uh, four weeks. She's a month old now. <laughs> Congratulations. So well, thanks, thanks for taking time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. So I, I want to kind of, you know, start this off with a little bit of understanding for folks. I would love for you to describe one, teleskiing, two, I like to say it's um, cross-country skiing with downhill skis. I think that's the easiest way most people understand it in the world. But, um, and how you decided to navigate towards telemark skiing instead of being a downhill skier or what everybody looks at as, or snowboarding. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the Lake Tahoe area and my, I was lucky enough to have like grandparents and parents who worked in and around the ski industry. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, like I've been skiing since I was two years old, Alpine skier, um, learned when I was like, yeah, really young age with carpet skis. And then I was, my dad was head of mountain maintenance around here, like at Kirkwood and, Homewood as well. So I was always up there dabbling. And basically, when I was 10 years old, I got my first pair of tele skis because my grandpa, who was head of patrol at Kirkwood, was a tele skier at the time. And my dad was tele skiing too. So it just made sense to me. You know, it was like, you know, some of my favorite people in the world were doing it. And not many kids at that time were really free heel skiing. So I don't know. I kind of wanted to stick out and try something different and be unique. And, uh, yeah, I basically just ran with it from there. Been tele skiing for shoot, like well over 20 years now. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been quite the journey. Uh, I mean, like I, I didn't even have like the right size boots when I first started out, like it started on leather boots, like cross country boots, like you were saying, like the really traditional setup. And yeah, it was, a uh, it was always um, a fun, fun battle for me to learn it at a young age. And then, uh, yeah, slowly got a little bit more progression going into the train parks when I was like in middle school. And then by the time I was in high school, I kind of got more structure and had um, some Alpine coaches. I, I went to the Heavenly Ski Foundation and actually got on like their, their first free ride ski team at a young age. And yeah, basically from there went on to get a bunch of sponsors and was lucky enough to travel to Europe a handful of times at a young age and shoot and shoot film segments in the ski industry and yeah just been running with it ever since then and here I am putting out independent telemark ski films so yeah I'm stoked dude it's been a fun journey for sure 
I mean, it's, it's been a really, I mean, I, I'm a tele skier. I grew up downhill skiing like yourself. I am nowhere near the capable ability of yourself and a lot of the others that are out there, but I feel that it, it has a fluid motion to it. It has this feeling that I like to say it's an arc to the past as the same time it's moving to the future so quickly. I mean, the evolution of equipment has gone just as fast as traditional downhill skis. And, and I think it's really, really fun to see the look on someone's face when they look at your gear and they're like, and you hear, I'm sure you've heard all the comments, right? Oh like, yeah. They're like, you know, skiing evolved from that mo moment. Like they do have the part that holds the rest of your boot down. I'm sure you've heard that one. Right? <laughs> a little bit. There's, there's all the little snarky jabs, but it's right. There's such a, a gracefulness to it. And you can see that when somebody's really great at it. And, you know, trust me, there's days I go out there and I look like a, a dying albatross going down the hill, <laughs> but it, it's really fun to see that, that beautiful flow, right? And, and, totally. and, and that's something that I feel is, is elegant, graceful, yet and also at the same time, it's extremely difficult comparative to traditional downhill skiing. You're doing lunges for six hours. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the cool thing is, is like the new freeheel technology, like the uh, new Telemark norm or NTN bindings, um, that's when it really started to like progress for me when I switched over from older cable bindings and like got on this newer gear and it really kind of clicked and opened the door for that progression to happen. You know, obviously like Alpine skiing with a lockdown heel is like your, your ability to like land tricks and go really big gets a little bit easier, right? Cause you're not going to pivot and hinge forward and fall on your face like a telly setup. But at the same time, like the, like, like I said, the new technology, it kind of lent for um, that ability for the sport to get that much better and look that much better too. Like that elegance, like you're saying. Um, yeah, man. Like I, I think the thing for me is like, obviously powder skiing's the top notch thing for any snow sport enthusiast, but just sinking turns is like, pulling a trick or like doing something miraculous you know it's like linking up a bunch of cool powder telly turns is the surfiest most flowy feeling that i've ever experienced and you know like i've, I've snowboarded a little bit and alpine skied back in the day and I, it just it just feels right to me it's so fun so yeah i totally agree with all that man and i think that and just like knowing that like the ceiling hasn't been cracked yet is kind of what really keeps me intrigued with tele skiing you know so in regards to that ceiling being cracked i mean right now um i know that for a bunch of years they were having the tele skiing championships and i don't know if that's been postponed again or will that be coming back this year and you participated that a couple times yeah um, but you just launched a new film and this is number two if i'm correct for you yeah well, so, so yeah, you're right. Um, well, I'll, I'll touch on the big mountain comps for teleski in a little bit. Um, that, that was kind of like a cool way to have like some proving grounds, like for a small niche industry as teleskiing, you know? So that was going on for a while there. And I think for better or for worse, like it's, it's migrating away from that in this new generation, because like, honestly, not many eyes get, on a comp venue like when it's really stormy or snowy out you can't get that much attendance and like 
the outlets really weren't there for that. So I think that's kind of ever since like my big mountain competing days, like that's what migrated me towards like filming and like producing really awesome ski segments, you know? Cause like, yeah, the first one future free hill one, like came right after that with like the telly big mountain comps. And, uh, yeah, I just, I threw a couple of my buddies from Europe, um, Andreas and Eric and those guys ripped and they still do. And they were like really getting after it. So I took some of their footage and then, uh, yeah, pulled, pulled, from stuff that inspired me and uh built a pretty good segment that year and that was when like drones were pretty new and like the dji drones and the 4k cameras were just coming out so like the quality was there and i i had no idea like when i first dropped that what like six years ago i think future free hill one came out future free hill two is coming out that's the new one you're talking about but yeah man i i i was just blown away by like the reception it got like the ski industry fully embraced it and I, you know, it got uh, hundreds of thousands of views and I was just blown away because it was so grassroots, you know, but uh, yeah, that's kind of like what led me to this point now with like one, what my sponsors like to see. And then two, like where I'm at as a skier, you know, like back in the day, it was kind of proving yourself at competitions to, you know, make sure your name's out there you know but now it's like all social media and and kind of more of a visual thing so i think teleskiing and like the new platforms that we have and the technology of camera equipment it's just all the right time so that's kind of where i'm at and just still going to be stoked to do it in my 30s you know <laughs> so I, I don't know if you did you ever see some of the tough guy productions telemark films with nat ross those old ones the older ones i was actually in one of those um i can't remember I, actually i was in two of them and i was pretty young like i was 16 and 17 so yeah that's where it really started for me yeah so i i used to race bikes against nat ross years ago oh really no yeah. way yeah yeah that's legit because like i was a young kid and i go to like the ski industry shows and that's how i met him and he was like oh dude we gotta get you in the movies that's hilarious that's a yeah. that's in that i haven't heard in a long time oh yeah he lives in arkansas right now <clears throat> oh cool he lives shout in out to Nat. yeah shout out to nat dude that's so cool i haven't heard his name in so long that's cool he brought that up <laughs> yeah i mean that i mean that's the person that really put telly in my head nice yeah cool yeah, because it was Nat and then with uh, Tough Guy and then Stefan Riando, he, he took it over. And that was kind of like how they kept the uh, Telly Big Mountain comps going was when Stefan took it over from Nat. And uh, yeah, he, he had like four or five comps in a year, just Telly specific. So it was, it was a pretty big deal. And they really kept like the Telemark skiing uh industry and niche alive during that time like they them pretty much hands down were like the ones like fueling the fire there so it, it's cool that you bring that up because those those aren't names that like everybody knows about in the ski industry you know so it's cool man yeah no it, it's deep rooted and i'm just stuck to like still be here doing it after 15 20 years you know yeah and i think that's what's you know, I think there's so like when we talked about it a little bit earlier is the progression in the sport, right? But also the progression in the equipment. And 
I think, you know, I've been reaching out to you, talking to you about ski sizing and width and length. And right. you know, I'm on a 22 design as well. Um, and, I, and I think the, the step in from cable is a huge step up from the past. Not that cable is, is bad. It's great for other applications. But I mm-hmm. feel that there's such a, a unique trajectory right now. I mean, there's definitely people out there who bust my agates about telly. They all laugh, you know, and, and you and I talked about that a while ago. There was a pretty pr- people write some pretty. Let's just say not so favorable things about telly. Right. You know, they call right. it hippie sport. They, you know, they make fun of that whole old saying for your hero, for your mind. You know, there's all those comments, but I think there's, I don't think people realize that that was the original sport before the bindings were locked down. Right. That's yeah. where skiing originated from. And they there's yes, it's fun ribbing and poking, but at the same time, we're riding on the same skis as everybody else. We just choose to have a different binding in a in a different boot. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the word that comes to my mind is inclusion, you know, because like a lot like a lot of what the ski industry about these days is including people and like recognizing that you know it's kind of an exclusive ritzy sport and it's hard to access for some people right like yep uh, i my goal always is trying to share like the fun of teleskiing and making it kind of digestible so that people realize like hey i can go out and do something new and fun and make it obtainable for myself so yeah like going back to what you're talking about with like the ski industry kind of hazing tele skiing for all those years. I mean, yeah, you could take it at face value, but at the same time, like the people who are haters are like choosing to ignore what's really out there and what's going on. And more, and, and in my experience, like more people than not are like really excited about what we're doing as free heel skiers and where it's going right now, like including all my sponsors. And that's why they're my sponsors, obviously. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, I think those days, honestly, of like rousting and busting people's balls for like what they do, like that, that's so 1990s, like skier versus snowboarder attitude. And so I, I, I just don't really see it that much. Maybe it's because like I shred harder than a lot of outline skiers. So they can't talk shit, you know, kind of jab them back. But like, at the same time, it, I, I don't know, just these days, it seems like it, at least here in California and Tahoe area, like people are just like nothing but oh, have got nothing but open arms and like are really stoked on what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, um, the more people on the mountain, the better. It's like whether you're on a, a sit ski, whether you're on tele skis, whether you're on downhill skis, whether you're snowboarding, whether you're on a ski bike, whether you're on the boot skis, you know, what are those like this big, those boot skis? All right. <laughs> I just think it's just getting more people outdoors and we have to recognize the bigger picture. And like you said, inclusivity, you know, let's branch it out to everybody, every, every race, everything, every style, get people out in the snow, have a good time, you know, and the potential of what can be done. I mean, you know, you're going out back country. And I think that that's a really, really, really unique part of what Tahoe has to offer. Right. I mean, you're skinning out to, well, you're snowmobiling out to some areas and then skinning from that point on, you know, that, that's a, that's a big commitment, you know, you're, and I think 
for a lot of folks out there to understand how much work goes into that. You know, you have to take avalanche training. You have to carry a beacon. You have to leave specific notes of where you are, when you're leaving, where you're leaving from for family members and friends in case something happens. There's very specific rules. And I think it's really, really important that you share some of that because I don't think people see a lot of the footage. They see a lot of the films right. that are out there. And I don't think they understand how much work actually goes into the preparation to get to be able to do those things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that that's really well said, Chris. I mean, I, I just had that instilled in my backcountry learning experiences since a young age, mainly because, like I said, my grandpa was head of ski patrol out at Kirkwood. And so he, he actually was like one of the guys who designed a bunch of the avalanche control routes, like how they mitigate avalanches inbound. So anytime I'd go into the backcountry with him, he, he was teaching me this stuff at a really young age. And when I got, into high school you know I, I I took it a little bit more seriously and got more into backcountry skiing and started taking like area level one and you know research reading books and like learning about snowpacks and um yeah honestly like you're saying it's it's a lot of work and then once you get to that point like you have to work hard to stay refreshed on all that stuff um for us, like when we go out into the backcountry, specifically to film, whether we're doing like touring access or sled assist, it's uh, you got to have all your contingency plans in place. It's 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 fun and games until like stuff goes really bad, you know. And uh, like you said, like I, I work for the Forest Service, like I, I build trails and I do wildland fire. So in the summertime, like everything is approached from a safety standpoint, right? Like worker safety first, like we're not going to go attack this fire head on, for instance, and, you know, not have our 10s and 18s in place, like our safety guides, you know? So I, I, I definitely try to apply like that same mentality when I go into the backcountry. Um, and obviously like it is a job to go out and like get a camera pointed at you and like, have that chemistry with a filmer and the athlete and like plan everything and predict the weather. And, you know, it, it's a lot for sure, but when, when it all comes together, it just comes off right. And like, you feel super accomplished and just stoked on the product that you're putting out. You know what I mean? And like you said, like it, it, it it's a ton of work. You got to have like these things in place to make it go right. You know, I'm not, just going out there blindly skiing down the side of a mountain without knowing what's going on down there, like line choice and, you know, predicting like what the snowpack's doing. That's all super huge stuff that goes into it. And like you said, it's not always captured in on your like 30 second GoPro clip on Instagram, you know? So um, it, it's good that you brought that up because it, like I said, it's just, it's safety first. All these guys are my friends and we got families to come home to. And it's not as reckless as some people may think it is, you know, like everything is calculated risk, whether you're driving down the road or traveling in the backcountry on skis, it's, you know, it's what we do. And that's how we stay sane and healthy is by being outdoors, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, it's a really important part of the process is understanding and I like to call it having the legs to stand on 
you know, if you want to run the marathon, you train for it. You don't just run around the block with the dog for four, four or five days and then go right. the marathon, right? You build up towards that. And I think there's the thing. This wasn't a situation for you and skiing at the level that you are right now. It didn't happen overnight. You trained avalanche training. You know how safety and rescue, you know how to get from point A to point B. You know how to pick a line. You know what's safe or not safe. And also, you know how to practice to be able to pull those maneuvers that you're doing. And I think so many people see this amazing footage of what everybody's doing nowadays, how fast and an evolution of skiing, whether it's free heel skiing or traditional downhill or park skiing. And, and there's more work going into that to get to that point for that shoot that people are seeing than just like winging it. It's totally so much. And I've seen, I've been watching and seeing people out there and it's like, man, the, the amount of times that people biff or, you know, <laughs> You know, I, it's granted in the powder days, I'm sure it's great to get a, you know, to get a, a mouthful, but you know, it's, yeah. it's definitely serious business. And I think it's, you know, and even you're talking ski choice, right? You have ski choice size, you know, whether it's length width, combination of both, or even wax choice or your, how are your skins holding? What happens if something goes wrong with one of your skins? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, like in regards to that and readiness and being prepared, I mean, I, 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 when I re really got into sled access for skiing backcountry, um, kind of one of like the elders of the snowmobile community told me, you, if you treat your sled right, it'll treat you right, right? So like you do all the maintenances and you, you take care of it and you got to know how to wrench on that stuff because like I've had friends just rip skis off of their snowmobile 10, 15 miles out there. And if you don't have like webbing and ski straps and like all the equipment to like field fix this thing, your $15,000 snowmobile is in the backcountry somewhere like lost and going to rust away and become part of nature, you know, like it, it's gnarly, man. Like it's an investment and it just, you know, it, it compounds like the more that you get into it and the more invested you are, like sometimes the greater the risk can be especially for guys who are like don't get me wrong like i'm a semi-pro skier like my job is to work at the forest service but like i i do well like skiing in the winter time so it's worth it for me but to be like a super serious pro skier and like be at that level of like going out 200 time 200 days a year and like going to Alaska and filming these huge segments like hats off to those guys because it's like it's another level beyond what I've got you know like I've been to Alaska and I know what that's like it's it's really gnarly and I've scratched the surface there so like like you're saying when you see like Travis Rice who's the best snowboarder in the world basically like doing what he's doing it's because he's that good he's the Michael Jordan of his sport and he's put in those hours and put in the time in the classroom and like worked with like the most intelligent people in the ski industry to like accumulate something that comes off right on on the screen that you're seeing and it and it's something that gets lost and I'm glad we're kind of talking about it because it you know I honestly I tell my my film crew I'm like if I get one shot a day I'm stoked anything else is like a triple plus like above and beyond because there are so many factors that go into it in the backcountry. like the light will just change and it's all gray and flat and you can't see anything and then your day's done so 
I mean, yeah, just the more that you do it, the more that you get used to it and like know what's going to line up right. And I think that really comes off right when when you see it at that professional level. And that's what I'm striving to do for telemark skiing at, at kind of like this more grassroots level. Right. So hopefully uh, I'll, I'll have to send you a preview of the movie, Chris, and you'll definitely get an exclusive view of Future Free LT because it's it's sick, man. It's like my favorite project that I worked on. And it's kind of all those years built up to like this masterpiece that me and my buddy Brian Walker worked on. So I'm stoked, dude. Like it, it's cool to like be talking about it, not just on your podcast, but like throughout like the, the ski industry and around the local community. It's it's really well embraced. And I'm I'm really privileged and humbled to like be able to keep doing this. You know, like I said, I'm I'm not like that young up and comer 18 year old. I'm like 33 and got a kid now. And it's just rad that I'm still doing it, you know? So I want to talk a little bit about the fact that you live in a community that was just completely ravaged by fire. And I want to talk a little bit about how much work you put in literally leading right up until you had a child. I mean, you were out there uh, in the thick of it. And I want to talk, I would love you to, to share with everybody I mean, this, I think they, it now has a new term because of the amount of uh, over a million acres was burned. And I, and I want you to kind of share with everybody what, what the severity of that is, what it was yeah. like to be out there and your team that you work with to really prevent, you know, or try to contain what was, was really going on up in, up in, you know, the Calder fire and everything going on up in top. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like it, it, it's a real thing human caused climate change it's like i got my degree in uh interdisciplinary studies and sustainability and so that that's such like a holistic like all-encompassing degree but underlying theme like the biggest thing that we're facing as humans right now is human caused climate change and like every single year our wildland fire season just gets gnarlier and more hectic and resources get more spread thin every single year since I've been uh working as a wildland firefighter like so just to kind of clarify things like I've been working for the forest service on the trail crew for like 13 seasons now and about shoot like eight years ago I got my red card and would like sign up with the uh, the on-call crew and uh as a forest service employee like you get a bunch of cool trainings and like like you build your career as a firefighter so like I work in the engineering department and do like trail building projects and like bridge building and then when the fire season hits it's pretty much all hands on deck and they need as much help um from resources like myself to like get the fire out literally and uh yeah i mean like my wildland firefighting career has gone from like just starting out on the oc crew to now like my trail crew and other people from different departments get called up as a short mod and we're basically a small hand crew that goes out and during preparedness level five which is like the heightened season of fire like we're the ones that stay here in tahoe and go to lightning strikes and put out escape campfires that people light off and 
you know, get like some little smaller fires. But then when we get some larger incidences, like the, the fork fire last year, we got called out to for a week on our, our neighboring forest and the Caldor fire that obviously rolled through South Lake Tahoe and the surrounding communities. Like it's all hands on deck, man. There, it really, it, it just gets gnarlier every year. You know, that Dixie fire was just such a rager that was just to the north of us. We had the Tamarack fire that was like literally only like 10 miles away. And then the Caldor went off and jumped from basically like if people know outside of Sacramento, you got kind of like Placerville area and it ran like miles and miles and just the, the wind alignment and the topography and the receptive fuels made it so that this raging fire was basically uncontrollable with no matter how many resources you put at it. And uh, yeah, next thing you know, like me and my crew are working 24 hour shifts, like prepping things and getting stuff ready for when the Caldor hit. And meanwhile, my wife's like eight months pregnant, eight and a half months pregnant with our, with our daughter. And at the time, like there was quite a few days in a row where South Lake Tahoe had the worst air quality in the entire world, like worse than China worse than any industrial city and it was getting really serious and heavy and I was like just really concerned for my my one my wife and my unborn child's well-being and two like are we going to have a community to come back to when they get evacuated and you know like this raging fire is rolling through like who who knows what's really going to happen there was a lot of uncertainty leading up to the birth of my daughter. So it was like all these compounding things. And mind you, like both of our families live here too. And so we're like orchestrating everybody evacuating and I'm helping with the fire. So it's a, it's a really taxing and gnarly job. And you, if you know a wildland firefighter or municipal firefighter or any first responder, you owe them a beer for sure. Because like, it, I, I can't even tell you how much hard work these crews do um it was it was a scramble I'm, I'm not gonna lie it was like there's no containing it when it gets that gnarly and we had just the worst red flag warning days that fueled this fire that basically ended up engulfing my home resort here at tahoe and as of right now it's really uncertain if they're going to be able to open up so like that impact alone let alone the unfortunate people who lost their homes and cabins and and whatnot it it got hundreds of and hundreds of structures and really screwed up our our home resort too like it's uh it's really tough to see i i literally was out there now that the fire's out like we have to do all like these abatement plans and getting rid of dead standing trees because like we're trying to open the forest up as quickly as possible because winter re recreation is going to happen. Backcountry skiing, snowmobile access is all going to happen. All stuff that's in the burn area. So we're literally prepping right now, dropping trees all the time and, you know, trying to make it all safe. But it, I was just out there and man, it was, it was severe. Like some of, some of the patches of timber were like really, high severity burn where it's like 
full-on moonscape just red uncontrollable and uh yeah man it was a uh, yeah it's a lot and i kind of ran in about it but like it was just it it, it all kind of went as a blur so like by the time by the time the caldor was rolling in like my daughter was supposed to be born so i i left with my wife and my crew stayed and somehow um it just all lined up right and no structures were lost in south lake tahoe it was like i wouldn't call it a miracle because i know how hard like all those crews work and what they do to make it work to kind of shepherd the fire away from the community and they did that and it was really impressive to see but yeah just the aftermath like just have been having been working in there it's 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 intense man and uh yeah i i i'm kind of at a loss for words for it honestly because you know sierra Tau is like my favorite place to ski and it doesn't look good for their season and a lot of people who have seasonal uh jobs rely on that you know so it's a it's a hard impact for california and it's just kind of the reality we gotta live with being mountain folk i guess you know and i mean it's the 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 impact on the community with not having the resort with not having the tourism is going to be pretty dramatic for sure yeah i mean like you'd be surprised like it, it there's a lot of forest out there um right out my front window that i'm looking at right now it's still green and looks great but like other parts got pretty torched off you know and luckily for us we do have a lot of good ski access and you, you know i i just feel bad for people who lose everything in those fires and lo- lose loved ones because that happens and it gets really serious man and it was pretty miraculous none of that really happened on this fire and you know it's just I, i'm thankful that like i have good leadership and have gotten really good training and got kind of a cool head on my shoulders to you know, tolerate that kind of stuff and be in those like surreal apocalyptic working environments. It's, it's unexplainable really. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think, you know, I could ever understand what that's like to, to be in. I mean, you're in extreme heat. It's very difficult to breathe. You're trying to manage safety, people, wind shift at a moment's notice, which could not only take the fire towards you, but away from you all at once. So. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, like to, kind of like bringing it full circle it's uh um just you got to be a responsible person out in the forest man like whether it's like having a campfire on a red flag warning day when you shouldn't be doing that like it's all education man and whether it's like the climate change as a collective whole that we need to like start getting a handle on you know it's we need some strong legislation and a lot more support because it it's tough to watch a new rookie firefighter getting paid close to minimum wage and like putting their life in, in uh, on the line, you know, and like getting in front of a fire and it's just, yeah, we, we need to kind of realize what our priorities are here in America, especially. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully some things change for the better. And, you know, I, I could only be optimistic, but I guess in summary, just, go visit your favorite national forest while they're still there, man. Cause yeah, we're getting chunks, literally percentages of national forest burnt off, like gone for the rest of our lifetimes, you know? Well, first off, thank you and your crew for, you know, working your butts off and, and, and really 
really working hard to not only protect your community but protect the national forest i mean i think it's a really really yeah man and you know when i come i'm going to be coming up there soon and uh i'm going to take you out for beer oh yeah and we're going to go we're going to go cut some turns so that's 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 guaranteed that's guaranteed. do it chris yeah hit me up open invite to you buddy definitely hit me up anytime and um yeah definitely I'll, I'll send you that link for the new movie it's going to be coming yes, where, out where can everybody that's really important i want to make sure everybody can take a check a look at this film that you just put out where are they going to be able to find this cool uh it the new telefilms future free hill 2 um i'm gonna drop it online open source on youtube and uh hopefully uh uh the ski industry gets behind it i got some cool friends out there that are going to share it and uh Basically, we're doing the film tour. It's the Tele Film Tour um, with my buddies Telemark Colorado. They're they're planning a West Coast and Midwest tour of my film and two other Telemark films, short films that are coming out. And uh, yeah, it, I, I love doing the the little tour stops because it's cool. You get to like meet people face to face, and you know, with like the COVID going on, the pandemic, we're definitely trying to do it more in like outdoor settings like we already had a premiere here in south lake and that that just went off we did a fundraiser for sierra at tahoe and raised twenty one thousand dollars so that they can put it towards good use to get the resort back online and you know everything that we're doing with like the telmark scene and the tour and everything is just nothing but good vibes and bringing community together so um yeah I'll, i'll send you the link and uh check out telemark colorado and they'll have uh the tour dates posted on their website so great yeah so i got a quick thing we're gonna do a quick little game here before uh before we get off no answers are wrong okay okay copy all right red or white wine oh red wine okay a light beer dark beer uh dad beer light beer okay coffee or tea uh yerba mate tea I'm a hippie dude. <laughs> hamburger or hot dog? <laughs> what was that? Hamburger or hot dog? Oh, hamburger all day. Ketchup or mustard? Oh, mustard. Dijon or whole grain mustard? Oh, Dijon. Beef or pork? Beef. French fry, onion ring? French fry. Taco or burrito? That's like, that's the hardest question on earth, man. I'm just going to go with burrito. Nigiri sashimi. Nigiri all day. Sea urchin or caviar? Uh, urchin. Lobster or crab? Mm, crab. Brown spirits, white spirits? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> gin, do you like, would you prefer gin vodka or would you prefer bourbon or whiskey? Oh, bourbon and whiskey. Sorry. So good. Um, ice cream or sorbet? Ice cream. <laughs> Chocolate, fruit. Fruit. Favorite junk food? Uh, Reese's, just because it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> You're the guy that goes and buys all the bags, right? And never really gives the candy out. It's, it's that was my wife, dude. Yeah. No, I told her that I was going to have it. She went back. Oh, on sale i'm like they do it so that you come back the night before and buy it like at regular price because you ate it all (laughs) (laughs) 
Awesome. Totally. I just live that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Ty, thanks for taking time. I know you're busy. I know you've got a newborn there. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be helping out. But uh, really appreciate your time and and really, really been inspired by watching what you're doing and and just seeing how far you're pushing tele skiing. It's it's super inspiring and really fun. So thank you so oh, much. No. Oh, totally, Chris. I'm super glad that you reached out. And yeah, dude, we're gonna have to do another podcast for sure. Anytime. Sick, dude. All right. Thank you so much.